Friends, you've probably heard me ask this question that I'm about to ask uh, again uh, before. Why did Jesus come? You can shout out the answer. Why did Jesus come? To save us. Good, yeah. Someone over here, I heard uh, uh, some, some voices over there. Jesus came to save us. He says it really beautifully today in that last line of the gospel. He says, a thief and a robber comes to destroy and to kill, but I have come that they ha- might have life and life in abundance. So often, brothers and sisters, so often we think that Christianity, we think that Jesus just came to give us rules. And if we follow those rules, if we follow maybe the arbitrary rules in our minds perfectly, it'll make heaven possible for us. But this is not the case. Jesus comes that we might have life and life in abundance. He comes that each one of us would be filled with the very life that He has with the Father. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And St. Peter is a great example of how this comes to happen. It's, it's so beautiful. If you look at the story of Peter, from his first encounters with Jesus to now uh, him writing as an old man in this letter that he writes that we hear from today, First Peter. He was a fisherman. He was called out of uh, that way of life and he was called to follow Jesus. And he's the first one in the Gospel of John to confess Jesus as Lord. He says, you are the Christ, or in the Synoptic Gospels, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when Jesus is, when many disciples leave Jesus, Simon Peter is the one who says, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of everlasting life. You have the words of everlasting life. And then he falls from grace, right? Like he betrays Jesus on the the night when Jesus needs him the most, uh, the night of the passion, when Jesus is alone and in Caiaphas' house and in the courtyard and on the way to Calvary, Peter betrays Jesus. He denies that he even knows him. And then Jesus looks at him and he's known by Jesus completely. And he, he sees in Jesus' eyes that love that was the reason that Jesus or that Peter called or Peter followed Jesus when he called him. And he's moved to repentance. And after the resurrection, he finds out that Jesus has risen from the dead, and Jesus calls him to himself and he forgives him of his sin. That's in John chapter 21, if you want to read about it, it's a beautiful story, a beautiful image of Christ reconciling Peter. And then he's forgiven. And he experiences the power of the Spirit living in him through Pentecost. And that's where we're at in the Acts of the Apostles today. Peter, it says, stands up with the other eleven and he begins to preach He begins to do what Jesus did. To have the same life as Jesus, the shepherd of his soul. And he preaches the good news to these people. And he causes 3,000 people to be baptized that day. 3,000 people received the life of Christ in them that day. Let me give you a picture of that. I've I've done a a fair number of baptisms now. I've probably done like about 100 baptisms as a priest or a deacon at this point. 
Okay, and that's over three years. If there were 11 disciples baptizing and they baptized one person a minute, right? All the math people are like, I gotta, I'm gonna figure this out before he says it, right? It would have taken them four and a half hours to baptize all of those people. If they were baptizing one person a minute, which is pretty quick for, for a baptism. There were these big pools of water called mikvahs that were used for ceremonial washings, and they probably did that right next to the temple. And, but, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people, right? Jesus is working through Peter to shepherd these people to himself. You see, St. Peter has life and life in abundance because he followed Jesus. His life wasn't easy but he knew he was loved by Jesus and that was his greatest happiness. That Jesus loved him and gave himself for him. If from that joy of knowing Christ springs yet another, maybe even more magnificent joy, that of becoming a shepherd after his own heart. And we get a glimpse of that in that letter, in the letters that St. Peter writes in the New Testament. We see how he cares for the flock in his midst. And he, he implores others to do the same. When he writes that first letter, he's an old man. Writing to others who have been called to be shepherds. Peter becomes like his master. He becomes a good shepherd. It's the story of Jesus. The story of Peter is the story of Jesus forming in Peter the heart of a shepherd. It's the story of Peter first learning to listen to the good shepherd's voice himself and then to be a good shepherd for the flock entrusted to his care. Now, so often, friends, uh, we come to this Good Shepherd Sunday and we think, okay, who are called to be shepherds? Priests, right? Priests are called to be good shepherds. And that's absolutely 100% true. Right? As a priest, I'm called to be a good shepherd for the flock, you, that's been entrusted to me. Right? I get to share in Father Brian's uh, work here at, uh, at St. Joseph's right now. And it's such a great gift to be able to shepherd all of you. To be a good shepherd essentially means to influence another towards flourishing in relationship with Jesus. It means offering them the chance of having the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. But friends, I'm not the only one in this room right now called to be a good shepherd. In fact, we're all called to this reality. The good shepherd wants you to cooperate with him in leading others to him. The call to be a good shepherd is for every Christian. Single adults, I ask you, who are you shepherding right now? Who are you helping find Jesus? Kids, children of the parish, this is your moment right now. Who are you shepherding, right? Your friends, the people that you're around, you are called to lead them to Jesus. Who are you shepherding and how are you doing at that? And as a priest, of course, I'm called to shepherd this flock. But I want to especially emphasize, especially as we celebrate First Communion today for these children, the role of parents as shepherds of their family. Parents, you're the one who knows your, children, your child the best. Like when Jesus says, uh, my, my sheep, um, I call my sheep by name and they, they know my voice, Right? Your parent, you as parents, your kids know your voice and vice versa. It's really amazing, right? Like if a baby cries across the room, mom just like, 
right? It's, it's an amazing gift. Um, dads somehow can do that eventually as well. They're a little slower on the uptake, right? It's just the reality. But, uh, it, I mean, it, you come to know the very cry of the baby before they can even talk, and it's incredible. Um, the primary shepherds in this community, right? This is a bold statement. Hear, hear what I'm about to say, and this is what the church says. This is not Will Rooney saying this. This is what the church says. The primary shepherds in the community are parents. You are the primary catechist, the primary teacher, the primary passer on of the faith, the primary leader of your kids to holiness. You are called to lead them to Christ that, he, that they might know His voice through yours. Right? And friends, we've been talking for a couple weeks now about how we're moving to family faith formation and this is the primary reason why we're doing that. Right? We want to help equip you as parents to help your kids be formed to know the voice of the Good Shepherd, to follow Him. Not only for them to learn a bunch of facts that might be disconnected from one another, but rather to experientially know Jesus Christ day in and day out in the home and in the car, at going to sports games. And as Kevin said, when you're looking last week, when you're looking for that shoe that you just can't find that's in the couch somewhere, right? <laughs> passing on the faith is not merely passing on facts, but it's teaching and inviting someone to a relationship. So let's just look real quickly at what a good shepherd does. And we're going to use the psalm that we had today to help us understand what a good shepherd is called to do. And kind of as an examination of, con- examination of conscience for all of us who are called to be shepherds. So the psalm right, is written in the perspective of the sheep in the Lord's flock. So someone who is shepherded by Jesus would speak like this. So the sheep in the Lord's flock says, I shall not want. This means that a shepherd provides. In a family, fathers and mothers, you provide physical necessities, right? All of those things, and you're, you got to make the budget for that, right? But more importantly, and the thing I want to draw your attention to, you provide spiritual necessities, spiritual refreshment, repose, a place where your little lambs can be at rest. You help your family to encounter the truth about God and to know His love. So how are you doing at that, right? What, how are you kind of conveying those things? How are you offering your kids that place of rest from uh, that verdant pasture that they so desire? The sheep in the Lord's flock also says that He guides me in right paths. A shepherd gives clear direction to his sheep. He tells them where they ought to go. In the sermon from St. Peter that we hear today, his words cut them to the heart. And then at their request, when they ask that for direction, he gives them very clear direction. He doesn't say you might consider possibly being baptized. No, he says, repent and be baptized, each one of you. Right? And believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, dads, I especially want to focus on you right now. Where do you want your family to go? Where do you want your family to go? Do you desire each member of your family, your wife and your children, to go to heaven? Is that your number one priority? And do your wife and kids know that that is your number one priority for them? 
Is it evident in the way that you live your life and that you structure the life of y'all's home? Right? That has to be evident. And I'm asking you dads to take the lead on that. To step up and take the lead in leading your family in the right paths. A sheep in the Lord's flock also says, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. To be a good shepherd means that your sheep know you will protect them from harm. When we get really scared, right? If, you have, if you're a parent of little kids, you, you know this really well. They naturally desire to be protected. And the Lord fulfills our need for this in a spiritual way. When I was a kid, just the mere presence of my dad was enough for me to know that I was safe, right? And this is, this is important that we, we create places where our kids are safe, not only physically, right? We, we know that, but also spiritually and from, from the harms that really can come from things like the internet and stuff like that um, in our homes. Many of the dangers that we experience now as Christians are not physical, but spiritual and electronic. Dads and moms, are you praying for your kids and with your kids? Are you teaching them about these things? Are you helping them to avoid dangers? And when they come in contact with evil, are you teaching them how to reject it? The psalm talks about the rod and the staff. The rod would have been a short club thing that the shepherd would have been would have used to beat off any uh, like wolves and things like that. And the staff has a crook in it, right? Remember when Bishop comes, he has a, a shepherd's crook, and that would have been used to kind of drag a sheep back, right? To bring a sheep back from danger. You can imagine kind of a sheep about to go across a, uh, or go over a cliff, right? The shepherd grabs them and pulls them back. Are you protecting your kids in that way? Are you pulling them back if they've kind of gone astray? Are you at their side if they encounter evil and helping them to fight it off and drawing them back? To the good shepherd. Finally, the sheep in the Lord's flock says, You spread a table before me in the sight of my foes. Friends, as moms and dads, you're called to help your kids remember that they're made for heaven and that there should be joy in life as well. Setting before them a table of goodness means a banquet. Maybe not physically a banquet all the time, but spending carefree time with your flock. Do your kids know that you can play with them? Right? Do you spend time just being fun with them? Knowing that the, the Lord calls us to rejoice in His presence. Friends, I invite you to consider today how you're receiving the Lord's shepherding in your own life. And how you are called to be a shepherd for your family and for the people around you. Now, I want to just address real quick our first communicants. So, uh, Magdalene, uh, Mackenzie, Addison, Camille, Jake, Juan, Hannah, Jace, Elizabeth, Charlotte, Luke, Colette, and Emma. Raise your hands. Raise your hand if you're receiving first communion. Awesome. So, I'm talking to you right now. All right, you ready? You ready? Okay, you can put your hands down. Look this way. Can I get your eyes? Okay. All right. Today, you get to receive Jesus for the first time, and it is so exciting. We are so excited for you, right? He is the one who will lead you to the most happiness ever, right? He knows you, and he loves you, and we know you, and we love you, and we're so happy for you. When you receive Jesus today, I want to invite you 
to, when you come back, I want you to make a little prayer, right? And say, Jesus, come stay with me forever. Okay, can you do that? I want to do whatever you want me to do. Jesus, come stay with me forever. I want to do whatever you want me to do. Okay, can you guys do that? You promise? All right, great. Friends, I invite you, if especially you have not known the shepherd's voice yet, to make that same prayer today. Jesus, come stay with me. I want to do whatever you want me to do. Let us follow the good shepherd who said, I have come that they may have life and life in abundance.